0: Welcome to episode 640 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Righto team, welcome along to episode 640 of I Am Talk, with Chris John, you some James Oz. How you going, mate?
1: I'm okay, Bevan. He, yeah, okay. um,
0: he's 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 confusing himself this morning. We've got these stands because in the new studios we've got these stands. I bought these stands, um, which you can maneuver around. And, f- and to be honest, every week I maneuver and I see my screen very clearly. And every week, Newsom
1: is confused. You've been Quite well. S- you've been sitting here for hours getting yourself all set up. I've got a table in front of me. He's given me the, table the me. shitty option over here. <laughs> I was, <laughs> was going to start to a really negative. We've, we've just done an interview. I was going to start to a really negative point. If you talk on your mobile phone when you're driving, hands-free or not hands-free, you're a schmuck. Don't do it well, What
0: about hands free Hands free is alright No isn't?
1: it's not You're not concentrating I saw someone when I, was, when I was biking up here This morning And they just Got on my nerves But I've had 40 minutes To calm down But I'm firing up again now well, well, Back it up Hands free and H- No hands free How do you know They're not hands free Maybe they're
0: just Talking to themselves And thinking Wow
1: well, <laughs> They came awfully close to me When I was on my bike
0: Oh that's the issue That's, that's the issue I don't mind I don't mind hand free I do Oh what about If you've got earphones in And someone No
1: you? you're not concentrating Concentrate on driving Your bloody car When you're driving Do you pick your nose then eat it, of course. Also, <laughs> are you concentrating on driving? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. I talk his proudly brought to you by Extreme Endurance, you like Dick Buffer, and our patrons, yeah, understand if you Matthew the Prince of Pain Holtwick. We've got Darren double O Jones and White Lightning Ian Hersey, who yeah, we saw in Kona. We did indeed. He was in
0: Kona the week of the race, went home the day before the race. No, come on, Ian. Okay, jeepers, creepers, stay for the race. Again, this week's show, it's it's going to be a, we're well, we had a long interview, because it was going to be a very short show based on the show notes. We've got some news, we've got a hot topic of the week,
1: uh, we've got an interview. We have indeed. We're talking to Bob Sibaha about all things going vegetarian and vegan, whilst uh, trying to be metabolically efficient at the same time.
0: Uh, then we have, uh, I think, the We don't have a week. week, I no. don't know why <laughs> no, I didn't delete no, that. And we've got one question at the end. So there we go. Uh, news, John, there's not a lot of news. It's basically, Really? we had one race over the weekend
1: we did it was only half it was a Challenge Shepperton in Australia so the Challenge family do still um, have some races in Oz but I thought why I wanted to bring it up was Levi Maxwell who we have had on the show once yeah. before he's uh, won, a, I think he won his age group a couple of times over in Kona and was one of those people who's tried to step up to the pro ranks had some okay results but I don't think he's really cracked a win uh, beat out Tim Van Burkle so it's a good scalp to yeah. have uh, and Bill Luxford won the female side of racing that was over the weekend, as far as I could see, a pretty decent run of 112. Nice oh,
0: smoking, smoking, and it's, 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 it's pretty hard to make that step
1: up from age group champions to being very, very good at iron distance races. And, and so, you know, there's not that many that make that transition. Um, there's a South African fellow, what's his name? Uh. His name eludes me at the moment, but he was a, a champion um, from Kona and he's made that step up. But we've had others who have been winning their age groups and winning overall. You try to make that step up the pro ranks. Okay, here's you're, so here's you're, a question you're, you're for you. are towards the bottom of the heap.
0: Here's a question for the geeks out there. Maybe that's the one for Thorsten. Who is the best age group
1: champion to turn pro? Yes, because I think you have some examples there where you've got age groupers who have become very good Ironman athletes. Rachel Joyce sort of um, springs to Chris mind. McDonald. Um McDonald. Actually, I can answer your question already is uh, Lucy Charles because she won uh, her okay. age group But one I think year. what we're
0: saying here is we're probably saying grinder age group is yes. not, not talented athletes who have kind of switched over, mm. which then makes it hard to answer because what, what's the definition? But, you know, you think of, who you know, one Kona
1: or top three podium Kona. Very few. I'd say Lucy Charles is the only example – Rachel Joyce was an age group athlete, but then she sort of made that switch reasonably early on, I think. Um, What about guy side of things? Guy side of things? I can't think of anybody off the top of my head. Yeah, it is
0: interesting, isn't it? So so if you're a geek out there and you you want a bit of homework, this week's homework. Maybe we should have a segment, this week's homework. (laughs) Do the
1: show for us. Well,
0: we need to this week over the next few weeks because it's going to be pretty quiet. So we're actually going to have a look at some of the recent results.
1: No, this is a race is coming up this weekend. Oh, coming up this weekend. So we've oh. got three Ironmans on this weekend. So it is a quiet time of the year in terms of the news side of things, but this weekend in particular, it's going nuts. So it's uh it's all on. Wait a second.
0: I've just noticed something. I've never seen your legs, Huri. Yeah,
1: they're <laughs> they need, they need to go are get going, a little bit of a waxing. Got the going on. Him, mate. Like yeah. team,
0: it's very noticeable. you like like I'm I never shave, because I'm not that hairy. Not that you're
1: looking like a gorilla, but... Give it a couple of weeks. Give, but I'm just saying, I've never seen hairs on your legs. Yeah. It won't be there for much longer, I can tell yeah, you yeah. that. Okay. So, first up this weekend, we have Ironman Malaysia. Uh, if you want a hot race, this is... Probably about as hot as it gets For iron distance racing uh, It's been going on and off uh, In terms of the pro field um, We had 2006 Good old Jason Shortus Blast in the past Jesus He won Jason back then Jason He, um, he won
0: Western Australia A few times as well didn't
1: he? He did He had a lot of man's Under he his belt He was an ex
0: runner wasn't he? Cyclist runner
1: uh, Cyclist runner Crappy swimmer Yeah um, Just And he was a big strong guy Did he a race. A solid thing. unit wasn't he? Yeah I raced him once in, uh, in Japan I mean I wouldn't say I raced him He was in the race And I was also in the race And he yep. was a little bit up the road from me uh, but certainly wasn't after the swim. Uh Sonia oh, Justin
0: Shortest is doing now, does I want to do a Google search? Do a Google, Google
1: search. Um, but more on um, more recent times, Diana Risler has won the last four years in a row, but her name is not on the start list. Prior to her, we had Belinda Granger winning three years ago in a row. Uh, on the male side, it seems like a lot of the athletes win at once and then uh, that's there. that's one it. and done. There's nobody there that looks like they've won it twice. Roman Gilliam won last year. Freddie Cronenberg the year before. Mike Arrigoz the year before that. Patrick Nilsson the year before that. Marino, Luke, Luke McKenzie, Faris Al-Sultan, Xavier LaFlock, and Jason Shortis. Uh, Brian Rhodes still holds the course record all the way back in 2002. Must have been a slightly different course. No disrespect to Rhodesy. He went in eight twelve, 12 And then last uh, and the female record is Diana Reisler from last year with a 919. Um, Cameron Worth is down to race post kona uh, and he would certainly be the raging hot favorite uh, to win that build up a nice big lead and then just got to do what you can on the run. Uh, you've got Andreas Gigglemeyer and Jens Peterson back there so not a massive pro field only about sort of 17 18. On the female side you have got Maureen Half, who's top ranked ahead of Jocelyn McCauley who had a disappointing um, Race in Kona, and then Els Visser. Now Els Visser is from Netherlands, and she's predicted to come in third place. I saw yesterday, and I just started watching it. I didn't watch it all. She just done a TED, to- a TED talk. Oh, really? Um, and again, haven't listened to it all. Let's listen to the first minute. Um, she was in a shipwreck in somewhere in Asia, really? where she was going out on a boat. I think I think she said they were going on like a diving excursion or something like that. It was like a several night trip, and the boat got Sunk, and that's where I stopped listening, so I didn't know the rest of the, <laughs> to, <laughs> on, there, There's a reason to go and listen. So I saw it on k226.com. They had a video link there to her TED talk. So if you want to go check it out, go to k226.com and it'll be in there. Otherwise, go on to TED and uh, look up Al's Vista.
0: Joe's uh, uncle and auntie they got shipwrecked for like a month. Yeah, yeah, no lies. And, and they wrote it. There was the TV, I think it was like a documentary made on it and everything back in like the 70s. But And they were like, like teaspoons of water kind of level. Mm. And and luckily they just floated on some random island in island and uh, got kind of saved by locals, but Phenomenal stuff. Mm.
1: So good luck, everybody, racing at Malaysia. Also got uh, Ironman Arizona coming up this weekend. We had some very long strings of victories there from Meredith Kessler, who won three years in a row. Lionel Sanders has won the last three years in a row on the Males. Last year he went uh, 7.54. Kaiser Sarli went 8.51 last year. And so, Did so? she race Kona? Kaiser Sarli, yeah. She was, uh, we well, have a look up, but she was there or thereabouts. Okay. Okay. Um, So if you're female, you need to be going sub nine to be in the reckoning at this race. And if you're a male and you want to win it, you basically have to go sub eight most of the time. Um, Lionel Sanders, not racing, he normally uh, turns around and does a race at this time of the season, so we'll see what happens with him. Brent McMahon was due to race, but he's uh, no longer there. So Andreas Dreitz is the top seeded male. Clement Alonzo McKerner and Joe Skipper round out the top three ratings on Torsten's list. Uh, Jeff Simons, pretty good field overall. Jeff Simons, Anthony Coasters who was right up there for for a period in Kona. David Please, TJ Tollockson, Philip Graves. Lots of blasts from the past going on here. Uh, And quite a decent sized field. So go Arizona and then we've got Ironman Cosmo hold on we've got the females oh, don't forget the females sorry, sorry. Uh, good strong very strong females side it's a 20% strength field from Kona so you've got Heather Jackson Meredith Kessler and Carrie Lester who are all top 10 if not top 5 credentials in Kona so that should be a very good race Heather Jackson predicted to come in first place Meredith Kessler might be a little bit fresher I'm not sure if she f- finished Kona or not but I know she didn't have a, a great day and uh, and again, good strong field in the females, 20-odd 20, twenty odd athletes. And then, as Bevan said, finally we have... I'm Man Cosmel. Now, what's, uh, last year, Sebastian Kenley took this out in 7.48, and Lisa Roberts in 8.54. Um, of interest this year for me, uh, we've got Michael Vice and Matt Russell, mm. in, um, one and two seeded seeds. Now, they had a really close battle in Kona, and... Um, when they were going out on the Queen K. I was I gave a split I think to Matt Russell and he closed in and passed Michael Weiss. Uh, Ivan Rana's seeded number three. What I'm interested to see though is Mauricio Mendez Cruz from Mexico is due to race. So he's a very good exterior athlete. He's done some halves as well. Um so he could be a fly in the ointment for these guys, could be um could really potentially a dark crush horse. It.
0: Mm the girl side of things
1: uh, Michelle Vesterby Angela Neath and Lisa Roberts are all predicted to come in in 9 hours and 10 minutes wow so it could so be close race. racing
0: imagine uh, if they all did come on and say imagine if you had a, 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 not just a draw what do you call when three people finish at the same time still a draw
1: uh, I don't know what you call it a three way tie Oh, you're probably right. Mm. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Okay. Um, uh, of interest in the female side would be Sarah Haskins, who I, I quickly looked up. She hasn't done an iron distance race according to Torsten's ratings. Uh, I looked up and it looked like she did actually do that Ironman Man Louisville I think it was a few weeks ago and she did the, the swim which was like a 12 minute swim um, but oh, yeah. when you actually look her up uh, she's a former very good ITU athlete uh, i not sure if she went to the Olympics or not but she was certainly of that caliber uh, very good swim just good across the board and when you look at her 70.3 performances it's pretty much all either wins or seconds so she should could be someone who could go very well so interesting to see how she goes so so we're
0: so we the end of the ITU season has completed last weekend we had a race, where was that what happened John?
1: Um, so we're just, this time of the year is very much the World Cup races, so we've got the World Triathlon Series which is the ones you see on TV and it's that's the second tier, the, the top tier um, but they also have the World Cup Series and that's, it's a really good system that ITU have got now, so you've got the World Triathlon Series, World Cups and you've got Continental Cups and it's so a, the Continental is what?
0: So obviously we're saying World, World Cup's premium a World Cup, sorry
1: World Cup you can still get good ranking points yeah, as, and, and, and it's we, kind of up and comers yeah, yeah. It, it, but you still still get ICU athletes uh, the top tier ones are still eligible to race and they they do but um it's, these days it's still massively multi um cultural you know fields yeah. it's just people from everywhere um, it's just it's growing from strength to strength the ITU diversity around the world um, and so this one was in Masiaka in Japan Vincent Hernandez another one of the Spanish she took it out in front of Eli Hemming uh, and on the female side we had uh, Summer Cook who took out that race ahead of Chelsea Burns so that's the end of the ITU season and uh, we won't see those athletes racing again now until the um, the first round of the series, which is in Abu Dhabi on the 8th and 9th of March, it's basically a six month season the ITU series, runs from March through to August next year. And it's bloody hard to keep your form for six months. I we'll know go to the Olympics
0: next year as well. Uh,
1: oh no, no 2020, 2020 Olympics. The Rugby World Cup. yeah, yeah, that maybe they'll go to the Rugby World Cup, <laughs> maybe they will. Um <laughs> So hard to keep yourself at the top level for six months. And that's why, you know, you see you see different winners. You see Vincent Louis winning at the end of the season, not so good at the start of the season. Mario Mola, untouchable for much of the season, but runs out a little bit of steam towards the end. Really, really hard to stay at your top of your game for six months of the season. Okay, here's
0: my question. Who's your dark horse for next year? Who's, the, who's going to be the kid who breaks through next year?
1: Well, the females is... Cassandra Bogram, but she kind of already broke through this year. Okay, so I don't have anybody else. Uh, and boys, uh, boys. Hayden Wild but he's already broken through doing crushing the uh, crushing the Super League speaking of Super League um, you asked last week when the next round is and it's in Singapore on the 23rd and 24th of February which is ideal timing for the lead into the first race of the WTS series um, which so is trying right. to get in early and that's what they've got to do they've got to bookend at either end of the season go right we want to try to grab the top athletes at the end of their season just after the world championships uh, is over uh, and then try to get them when they're in what their the, build up
0: what's the type of racing they're doing? in the Super League, would that kind of scare people off before the season? Potentially. Because it's 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 almost a higher intensity that they're doing in the ITU.
1: But it's also, you could view it the other way, going it's a great sharpening exercise. And if I get my butt kicked a little bit here, it matters, but probably the ITU is more important to me, but a great training exercise in terms of a really tough weekend of of hard, hard racing. If you're a coach, what would you do if you're a top athlete? It's tricky, you know, it's all about whether you want, if if you want to be in shape for your pinnacle performance, say that's a world championship, or you're going my big target is to be ready for the Olympic Games. You've got to figure out a way where you can peak on one single day and not necessarily be strong all the way through the season, yeah. but it's about picking it's picking, game, picking that. So in that regard, I'd say maybe not the best thing for you in terms of the Super League, but then the flip side, the skill development and the toughness required in that racing is just awesome. You've got to be concentrating very, very hard. You can't cock up anywhere. Yeah. You Get dropped, get and you're generally going to get dropped. Um, you stuff up in the swim, you know. It, it could be race over. It's great for your bike handling skills. Um, and so we've got to remember: a lot of these athletes and people like, say, Summer Cook, she's terrible on the bike. Um, and these sort of things are going to be great for her cycling development. Mm. Um, so I think Super League is fantastic for in, in that regard. So you're saying, depending on the athlete, but you might not be in peak condition when you do it. You might mm. go, okay, I'm doing the Super League, but then, that, but but then the, the, the injury pick.
0: factor risk comes in.
1: Because if you do not, peak, if you're not, if you, you need to be
0: pretty conditioned to do Super League. If you mm-hmm. want to do it properly, mm-hmm. you know, because we know that the higher intensity, the higher risk. So mm. it, it, you know, like it's, it's interesting. Like I, I hope they get lots of people there because I think it's a great event. But um, it's just interesting. You can kind of understand the end of the season. They are kind of just kind to of get through it, smash it out, try mm. to make some money. Beginning of the season does throw a bit of a spinner in the works. Um, Jombo, this week's discussion. So we're kind of wondering about extreme triathlons, you know, like the Norseman's, like, you know, they seem to have popped, you know, back in the day we had Norsemen. that was very much it, wasn't it? And then over time, they kind of popped up, but now there seems to be a lot of them. So we're kind of just wondering, if they appeal to you, have you actually ever entered an extreme triathlon.
1: Because when you look at the pictures, you go, "That looks wicked." Oh yeah, God. You go, yeah, I want to do. I want a piece of that. But okay, then, so Roger. Do oh, people sorry. actually really? Uh, are they really signing up for these in their droves?
0: Okay, Roger Canham's got. I raced tri for fifteen years and have been to Lacona a few times, but Norseman was probably the best race I've ever taken part in. Old school passion and love for the event between athletes. Everyone intent on racing the course and not wrestling each other. So refreshing, and we'll definitely be doing uh, more of the series. Don't hang up your wetsuit before you've done this type of
1: race So I think that's an interesting point That he's been to Kona And actually sees this in a a different light Yeah, Um, And it does go back to the roots doesn't it It does and also it's more about you racing the course rather than racing other people and that takes a little bit of pressure off, you know, when you're going up this first mountain pass you can be a schmuck and just try to race other people or you can go, no I'm just going to do my thing all day, yeah. so that was a good insight Louis de Giuseppe, none whatsoever in terms of interest and I don't really have a good answer as to why they don't appeal to me, on every level they should, awesome challenge, hard as F, uh, gorgeous destinations but I guess it's the extended suffering that I would submit to that throws it out the window, Epic Camp is my limit of extreme, so John you you should be pretty happy with that response. I am Louis, and uh, Epic Camp France is going to be a great right. way. Give it the plug, mate. Give it the plug. Great way. We've still got space. We had a few people pull out, so we've got plenty of space on Epic Camp France, and that is going to be your extreme triathlon day after day after but day. And Ollie, you get to meet Louis.
0: Ollie Jr.? Is Ollie Jr. going to be is there? the sausage, yes. Sausage is going to be there. Well, he actually gave us a post. He said, I've always wanted to do Norseman. I've entered the ballot for next year's race. It's $10 entry for the ballot, and
1: 75% of it goes to... Uh, medicines sans frontiers well, which is uh medicines without um, frontiers so it's obviously okay, going like to, to okay yep
0: yeah um i'm also doing the rock race which goes from albershoche uh in snowdonia Sondania. Sondania. Uh, and it's a similar type of race it's a 1.2 kc swim a 50k bike 12k up and down Soden hill um, bike back 50k's followed by 1k beach run. The appeal is the variety and the challenge after having been in the sport for quite a long time.
1: Rebecca Jocelyn, I did the icon in Italy and just loved and hated it. It was great to have the <laughs> team helping you and some really good laughs, riding through sleet while they sat in the restaurants to have breakfast. It was great to have friends really supporting you and gra- the gratitude you feel for their support. The guy Christine McKinley, she's got... And I went
0: to the dentist recently, John. Yes. She said, you need to get there. Okay, I haven't had my reminder. Well, well, we normally go around the same time, so sharpen up. Um, Christine McKinley goes, I'd love to do the Kelpman since it's in the homeland, but the mingies, uh, freezing Minjis, the freezing swim, the riding 200k in likely rain, followed by a technical run that I couldn't descend with much pace puts me off. I think these appeal due to added brutality in the elements and terrain. Most Ironman courses are pretty poor, boring draft fests.
1: Chris Haig, on, um, on a whim, when it comes to, to the cold so i'm i'm a, I'm a wimp sorry uh you missed the p there i'm a wimp when it comes to the cold so no if they had one in the heat then i would be the first to sign up and i did see another post on there from rob gray there is uh they're coming up with one in hawaii um, the, aloha the aloha man, man yeah. so that's at the other extreme that's going to be pretty bloody hot
0: um i'm going to say uh toby chenille has got northman and patagonia man would be a fantastic challenge but all these destination races also come with a pretty hefty price tag attached, especially when you live in Australia and pretty much any place anywhere in the world, uh, every other, any races anywhere else in the world.
1: Um, they did have the um, the one in Alcatraz, in, uh, in, not Alcatraz, in up uh, Kosciuszkos that you could have done. I'm We've not got sure a New Zealand one coming up. We have got a New Zealand one coming up as well. Um, last one, I'll do Stan Swanepoel. Norseman looks amazing, as do some of the other extreme events, but I'm realistic enough to know that I can never cope with the cold. Hats off to anyone who starts and let alone finishes. And I think that's an important consideration. If you can't handle the cold, you kind of got to draw your line through a lot of these uh, because... But isn't that part of the challenge? It is, yeah. But if you're a really skinny, runty person, you might just go doing that swim. Gonna have to do, you're going to have to do a lot of serious preparation for that. I'll finish with Adam, Adam
0: Flippy, Flipper Philby. Uh, yes, absolutely. It's another way of raising the bar, loving the challenge of iron distance races, and working to improve my times at the moment. In a few years, though, when I'm likely to be the best I can be, I'd rather raise another bar by doing a tougher and tougher events, evolving the challenge from a time-based one to pure toughness where the kudos is in finishing. What about you, John?
1: Um... Yes and no, and I, I'm a bit like Louis here, I don't know quite why I'm not going, yeah, that really appeals to me. It d- doesn't appeal to me doing doing things in the cold, and I know that you say that's an extra challenge, but that does not appeal to me. <laughs> I'd much rather, rather do something in a more moderate climate. It's ironic that it doesn't appeal to you, because you do epic camp. Yeah, well, but that's the thing, that, and, and I kind of, I was going to get to that, is I, I, I don't know if I'd necess- I, I'd want to do Norseman or or, or these races for the challenge of actually doing the course but I don't know if I necessarily need it to be in a race environment and that's what I love about Epic Camp is we go over it and do all these amazing challenges um, and yes, there's a little bit of racing component to it but it's more about me against the... the, the um, the, the terrain and the, and what we've got in front of us and I don't know that I really need the need a race to do that it might be like if you said to me like, well, you know, we're, let's bike to Queenstown we bike to Queenstown yeah. or let's let's come up with our own version of this around here and go and swim from X point to X point uh, go and bike do some crazy bike and then do a run afterwards just the the appeal of actually doing the distance and doing something challenging is is there but I don't know if I necessarily need that race environment to actually do it in
0: I see I- might, but to counter that, and it, to, obviously that's how you feel. But the, one of the cool things about that is you do go to a race, like, look at I can't remember who said it, but they said how it was cool to go to an atmosphere which was a bit old school, mm-hmm. you know. And, and so, like, we we could have a fun challenge just as a couple mm-hmm. friends, um, but it is nice to go to something that's kind of a bit more grassroots mm-hmm. and it remind you of you know just other aspects of the sport that are still really cool. Not to put down I'm Iron-, what I'm in or I'm racing is, um, so. For me, if I were to get back into the sport in a more extreme way, I think that's the kind of racing I'd want to do first. You know, it's not so they wouldn't want to do a fast Ironman again, but, um, you know, for me, it's always about kind of seeking a challenge. And so to do something like Norseman, which is pretty phenomenal, Mm. um, would be pretty cool. But I I like, like you're saying, like when I was uber fit and doing Ironman, you know, I loved it when you go, oh, man, let's just do this. Mm. Okay, let's let's do it. So I did enjoy that aspect. But I also like the kind of, that thing about one of the things that would be nice about those races, if someone said, how it's no longer it's about racing the course, not the not the person next to you." And it's kind of the, when you have that, there's a camaraderie that comes with it. Mm. Whereas when you're racing the person next to you, it's a little bit the you know you're trying to beat them. So the energy you put towards that person is a little bit different. Whereas when you're on like a Norseman, I'm sure everyone just kind of looks at each other and has that look of mate, we're doing it.
1: Yeah, you know, and and I think that's and I think that's quite appealing. Again, I'm not trying to come back to Epicamp too much, but we do have spaces available in France, <laughs> and um, but you get that as well. Yeah, totally. Yeah, you totally you, do. Yeah, yeah. Um, you might go on a little breakaway and you work together, and and there is still that competitive. A little bit of competitive there, but it's not all about that. No, um, so and and I do like the fact that with with some of these events that you've got the support crew as well. Yeah, There's, that's something that's quite special to try. Quite cool to, don't. to 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 do it with like for uh, the kids once they're a little bit older for them to do support crew or something like yeah. that. Um, so that that aspect them more involved. So, but for me right now, I'm not going. Boom! I'm going to enter them. I think they're all interesting. Um, but um, I'm not entering one anytime soon at this stage. I did okay. note that there is another one. Coming out, the HISPA Man, which I saw on try247.com. So these events are popping up everywhere. Okay, John, so
0: this week's discussion, which now we're recording this next week's show tomorrow because I've got something on next week. So if you want to get you, if you listen to this on Tuesday or wherever you are in the world, basically within 24 hours of recording it, you want to be on next week's show, you want to get your post up pretty quickly. But the question is if you have been involved in Triathlon for 10 years or more, what have you done to keep it fresh and exciting? each season so we're kind of looking for that person and, and maybe some people who have who maybe we need a bit of a kick in the butt because they're not but um, what have you done to make sure that you kind of keep the longevity and keep the excitement and the fun in the sport over the long term so that's this week's discussion John let's talk about sponsors Extreme endurance. But
1: let's talk about boosting the immunity, John. It is. I've had lots of people, lots of athletes I coach this week saying they're sick. And so, firstly, you got to look at your diet and nutrition. This time of year, this time of year well, in Northern Hemisphere. See? Oh, okay, okay. So you're an international man. That's what's happening. That's right. Uh, so, firstly, you got to look at your nutrition. Make sure you're on top of that, uh, and then look at um, your Just staying nice and healthy, staying away from your kids if they get sick, Um, but also you can boost with um, multivitamins and that's what immune boost is. I find it really, really effective in terms of whenever I've got anything remotely coming on, start pumping the immune boost uh, and it seems to just... Do the trick and sort of avoids me you know eight times out of ten seems to help me avoid getting sick so check it out on extreme endurance xendurance.com remember the promo code imtalk20 get yourself 20 percent discount and uh, boost your yeah your well-being over winter so you can keep that training consistency because at the end of the day what brings the long-term results is that training consistency if you get sick it throws a big spanner in the works you got to take a few days off take a few days to get back into it and all of a sudden you've lost a week and if then if the, that happens every month you're just losing week after week so try to get, do, get everything in place so you can train consistently and Immune Boost is one way you can do that and remember the promo code IMTALK20. Tell
0: you what John, if you're into Instagram and you want to look at a lot of beautiful athletes yeah. <laughs> just like Extreme Endurance and Instagram page because uh, they've got some mean looking, they're kind of obviously endurance athletes and a lot of CrossFit athletes just and they've also got some pretty cool shots but geez these people are fit just mean lean fighting machines xenduranceguys.com you can also check it out on instagram as well okay jombo we've got an interview with bob Sebahar.
1: he's going to be talking about what about if you're looking to go down the vegetarian pathway, both uh, what you should be thinking about from a micro and macro nutrient point of view, but also trying to bring that into the whole metabolic efficiency um, and how to how to stay efficient. Uh, so as I say, I'll say this again in a moment, but the past interviews we did with Bob were episode 259, 384 and 476. And if you ever have a guest where you want to, rather than emailing us going, what episode did you have so and so on go to imtalk.me scroll down to the bottom of the page and there's a search box there plug their name in there and you should be able to find it
0: Yep. or there's the archive section as well which will have a list of episodes
1: okay here is Bob right now Okay, guys, uh, I had an email earlier this week um, and it was from NRG Performance and I'm on their mailing list and get lots of good content that comes through and I thought the topic sort of was was good for us. uh, The plant-based metabolic efficiency recipe book is coming out and that sort of got me thinking about, you know, the growing trend towards people going either vegetarian or vegan. I also last week read an article on why people hate vegetarians, <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was, uh, was interesting and totally understood their point of view. So we've got Bob Seberha from Energy Performance back on the show. So welcome along, Bob.
2: Well, oh, thanks, guys. I definitely appreciate it.
1: We we missed you in our 500s episode because I, I went back and looked. We had you on episode 259, 384, wow. 476, and we didn't get anything in the 500s. And we we're up to what's today 640. So, guys, we, we're oh. going to be <laughs> we're going to be talking a bit of, later on about metabolic efficiency. Um, but we we delved into it in a lot more detail in those previous interviews. So, go back and listen to them. You can just search for Bob's name on on the, the website, and you'll be able to uh, go back and it's still good, uh, all good content so today as I said we're talking vegetarian side of things uh, lots of reasons why people want to go vegetarian whether it be ethical reasons whether it be um, just wanting you know, uh, envir- so, yeah. envir- environmental reasons they might be thinking it's a performance reason whatever it is that's everybody's individual choice <laughs> but there's quite a few implications in- around that so um, what I thought we'd start with, Bob, is, is if we can just, you know, if people want to go vegetarian, um, obviously the first thing they're going to do is be, be cutting out meat. So maybe just explain to us what people are getting out of meat, you know, the the, the benefits of mm-hmm. meat, and, and then we'll sort of lead on to what they're going to be losing from um, from cutting that out of their diet.
2: Right, right. So there's there's kind of a misnomer. Now, Now here, here I am in, in Colorado, the United States, right, arguably one of the the biggest uh states of concern regarding vegetarians and vegans and you know of course we have boulder right up the road like there's there's a lot of stuff going on so so first I think it's important to understand that vegetarian itself there are a lot of different aspects of being vegetarian right and, and you guys you guys I'm sure have heard of this there's I call it more a little bit more flexitarian right because mm. true vegetarians and I'm not speaking vegans right I'll, we'll hit that in a second but vegetarians, they, they can still, you know, maybe they just don't eat red meat. Maybe they still do dairy or milk or fish or white meat only. So there's so many versions. And that's one thing I really want the listeners to to take part of, What they, that if you're thinking about doing this, it doesn't have to be pure vegan. Now, vegan lifestyle is very intense. It's no animal products whatsoever, including uh, materials and clothing and, and other other products that you may get so veganism or, or vegan lifestyle is very very strict whereas vegetarian is a little bit more you can massage it a little bit more right so typically with vegetarian just like you said uh individuals start just cutting out some meat right usually that's what they do meat and dairy and they start start there kind of see how they feel and you know sometimes it turns into a little bit more aggressive vegetarianism sometimes it doesn't um, I, I don't know if i told you guys this in in uh podcasts earlier but i i actually used to be vegetarian not full vegan but so this is near and dear to my heart so between 2002 and 2012 i was full-on vegetarian the only the only meat or animal protein that i ate uh was cheese right so no cow's milk no meats no nothing right and and that was that was not moral that was not environmental. that was actually me getting into being a sport dietitian wanting to learn a little bit more about vegetarianism because obviously it was becoming very popular back then and i have to say i absolutely loved it however i am not vegetarian now and maybe we can speak to that a little bit later and and it's nothing against vegetarianism it's more about individuality, and that's that's what I think we need to re kind of uh, circle back on with this whole thing. But typically, vegetarianism, kind of circling back to you, they will start cutting out certain animal proteins. Typically, it's red meat and dairy to start with, because I think those are the low-hanging fruits. And sometimes they'll even keep white meats in there, uh, and sometimes they'll keep eggs and cheese in there to start with. Um, now, that, that doesn't mean everybody does that. Some people go completely cold turkey, you know, pardon the pun, and get all animal. <laughs> proteins out of their diet so that's that's i think i think a little more aggressive something that i would not recommend unless there's a, a health concern that requires that uh you know jump two feet in that freezing cold water and go for it
0: just let's go back to your choice to go back to what you said individualism um can you can you give mm-hmm. us a bit more detail around what you mean by that like um why did you come back
2: Yep, absolutely. So so my journey was this is this is when I first started getting into well not getting into when I first became a registered dietitian back in the early 2000s and I just wanted to experiment. You know, I, I personally grew up in a very Italian family. Um, so obviously a lot of pasta, but a lot of meats, a lot of sausage, a lot of red meat, every, you know, milk and cream and all that stuff. So I grew up the farthest thing from a vegetarian, right? So in 2002, I was like, you know, I just want to try this. And and I tell you what, it was so, and this is what I would tell your listeners, it is such an educational opportunity. Because when you go vegetarianism and, and, or vegetarian and you include more plant proteins, you have to figure out things in the kitchen a little bit more. You have to figure out what foods can go with what foods and and you know how am I going to focus on a meal without meat. So it's very educational. And for that purpose, I actually would recommend going a little, a little bit of plant-based uh, uh, dietary uh, approach. It doesn't have to be full on, right? So I did it for reasons of just wanting to find out more. I stayed the course for 10 years because... And and this is when I actually started getting into Ironman, and I was racing Ironman pretty, pretty uh, consistently. I thought it was great, right? It it supported my energy needs. I I felt, you know, it was a high carbohydrate, low fat, you know, moderate protein diet, just like everybody was taught back in the old days. And I thought it was for me until, and this is the individuality, until I did some blood work on myself. And I have a little bit of family history, as as I'm sure. And this is one point I really want to make sure your listeners listen to is. Get some blood work done. I mean, every single athlete I work with, I encourage that because we just don't know what's going on inside the body. What I found for me is that a vegetarian diet where I focus mostly on plant-based proteins and, like I said, a little bit of cheese here and there, mostly plant-based was great. Like I had great energy levels, blah, 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 so on and so forth. Body weight was okay. Body composition was okay. What I found, though, was I had high triglycerides. I had low HDL. So my, what we call in the field, blood lipids were very disadvantageous to a vegetarian diet. And it, and it's not to blame the vegetarian diet, it's my genes, right? Mm-hmm. So I found that actually eating more plant-based did not support the health markers that were given to me from a genetic standpoint. So that's actually what changed my mind. And we, we'll, we'll factor in metabolic efficiency a little bit later because I had some great data and did some testing there too. But from a blood lipid standpoint, I found with me, based on my genetic makeup, that a vegetarian diet, actually just, just including uh, less meat or animal proteins, was not advantageous for my health. And that's what made me change, to be honest with you.
1: Mm. So, so talking about meat, you know, talk maybe a little bit about the macronutrient and micronutrient, mm-hmm. what we're actually getting from meat that's beneficial to um, health and performance
2: yeah so and and this is to say you know let's let's throw out all the the morals, the ethicals, and mm-hmm. the environmental right we are just talking nutrition because there's there those are heated discussions that that you yeah. can get into yeah. right, but just talking nutrient based meat is actually like animal protein let's let's not call it meat like animal protein is actually great source of what we what we call amino acids right so protein uh, amino acids are are basically the little byproducts of protein when they when they get digested and denatured in the body so meat, animal based proteins have all of what's called the essential amino acids and those are ones that your body cannot make that you need from food Now, there are some some non-essential amino acids also, but our bodies can make that, so those aren't really a big concern. So those essential amino acids are crucial, as are things like iron, Uh, B vitamins such as uh, B6, B12, which is very helpful in metabolism. Even even micronutrients and vitamins such as vitamin D, a little bit more more prominent in animal-based proteins. Uh, DHA, which is which is an omega-3 fat, is actually a little bit more prominent. You guys have heard of the whole EPA, DHA, Mm omega-3s in salmon and fish. So that's another concern, but that's another uh, another micronutrient or nutrient that's pretty rich in animal-based proteins. So animal based proteins really are not only protein packed i think everyone thinks of protein right when they think of animal protein but but really we have to look at those micronutrients especially for active individuals for these triathletes and runners and cyclists and you name it i mean we're, we, we have a little bit different needs in terms of nutrition than a sedentary individual, and that's a concern when people start uh, playing around with vegetarianism and veganism is that they're starting to decrease these micronutrients specifically.
1: And, and so in terms of meats on the, you know, it was talked about the good side of it, in terms of potentially mm-hmm. the bad side of it, you know, processed meats, yep. so if you have that in, in uh, fairly large quantities, you know, there's a pretty strong mm-hmm. link there to various diseases, but, it, but in terms mm-hmm. of the negative side of meats.
2: Yeah, I think you hit something really crucial that I, that I want your listeners to listen to just one more time, processed. So we know grass-fed meats in particular really are chock full of nutrients, and typically those aren't – and actually there's a lot of of research that is debunking the whole – what I'm going to get to here in a second, but the saturated fat found in meats. There's a lot of research debunking the whole saturated fat association to heart disease. But once we take it to the processed meats, that's where we start to get in trouble, right? Because obviously with, with animal-based proteins, we know there is higher saturated fat. But when you process something, not only are you losing nutrients, but you're probably gaining a, just a lot of improper or, or, or nutrients that our, that our body simply does not want um, and does not need. So I, I would probably classify the meats, yes, in general, animal-based proteins have Saturated fat, they have higher cholesterol, but you have to arguably separate them into more grass-fed versus uh versus refined and processed.
0: What are some of the meat myths, you know, that you hear and you think, oh my god, you know, no one's really looking at science here? You know, like some of the things that are kind of thrown out there that maybe when you actually dig a little bit deeper, there isn't really much evidence to prove it.
2: Yeah, I I think the the direct association, like like I just said, with you know, meat causing causing heart disease right that that is definitely old school now we we know that that is disproven even even to the point of saying you know and i'll pick on eggs for for a a second and and not that all animal-based proteins don't have cholesterol but eggs are arguably a little bit higher in cholesterol i think people are are thinking you know oh you know I, i don't want heart disease or maybe i have high cholesterol therefore i can't eat eggs and, and that's absolutely false right there's I think it was the American Heart Association I can't remember the exact I think it might be them or another association that actually said, listen, even if you do have higher cholesterol, which is a whole nother discussion because we don't really focus on the cholesterol number anymore the total cholesterol it's it's a little bit we have to kind of dig deeper they still say it's okay to eat eggs just be mindful of it so Cholesterol, heart disease, saturated fat, heart disease. I think those are two of the biggest things. Um, You know, for some reason, I still hear from athletes. I don't know about you guys, but I still hear people saying, "Oh, if I eat meat, I'll get fat." And uh, (laughs) you know, and and it's not it's not false. I mean, if you overconsume food, of course. But but meat is actually. uh, Let me say this: protein found in animal proteins is very crucial for for net protein synthesis, lean muscle mass. Uh, One thing that endurance athletes I find don't really I don't want to say care about, but obviously they're, they're focused more on swim, bike, run than they are strengthening. Although once, you know, I can, I'm going to play the age card. Once you hit 40 or older, you've got to pay attention to where your protein sources are coming from. And that's that, that certainly you can navigate the vegetarian or vegan lifestyle, but it's a lot tougher. And we know as we age, we lose muscle protein. It's it's a process called sarcopenia. So that like when I'm working with athletes about, over the age of 40, I am very particular in where they're getting their protein sources because it's so crucial throughout the aging process, especially if you throw on Ironman training or really any type of triathlon training to that.
1: So, right, so if somebody's, uh, despite us uh, singing the praises of meat, you know, a, a lot of people these days are making the choice to go vegetarian, whether, as we said, whether mm. it be ethical, whether it be environmental, um, and I'm certainly moving down that path in terms of eating a lot less meat myself, still eating meat, but, but mm-hmm. having a lot less. Um, so I'd really like to go into some of the implications of doing that, uh, especially around um, some of the long-term implications around calcium and iron. So what are we, what are mm-hmm. we really going to be missing out on and uh, a few few ideas on really how to hammer home, you know, where you can get your calcium from, where you can get your iron from um, by mm-hmm. cutting meat out of your diet.
2: Yeah. So I, I think to, to your point, just to make it apparent, I am not a big fan of any type of dietary extreme. So, and, and so I love what you're doing is you're starting, and this is what I promote. I, you know, I say, hey, you know, take one or two days a week and try to just make that all plant-based. Right, so you just kind of you kind of p- put your feet in the water a little bit. So, I do not promote going going from from uh, non-vegan or vegetarian all the way to vegan or vegetarian one day because it's in a, it's an extreme and just like anything else, just like these keto diets, just like low carb, high fat. It is hard to do without stepping down, right? So that said, I love the introduction of that picking a meal, picking a day. So you're exactly correct. And let me just let me just tell you and why I'm such a big fan of of actually including more of some vegetarian. Let's just call it options in an athlete's diet. Is number one, it promotes you actually eating more fruits and veggies and. And, and I don't know about you guys down there, but in the US we've got this huge issue with people not eating enough fruits and vegetables. Obviously we know there's a chock full of, of micronutrients in those. so number one, huge benefit to it, right Another benefit you get more fiber fiber helps regulate the gut, it helps decrease uh, blood sugar, helps prevent or, or helps to in the prevention of some diseases. Lower sodium, typically lower cholesterol. Right? I'm getting the calcium and iron here in a second. <laughs> yeah. um, so there's some great there's some great benefits to eating plant based, and it doesn't have to be all the time, right? H- however, let me just throw in this this huge monkey wrench, because J- I've seen a lot of people trying to go veggie here, and and they fill their their diets with all these processed foods, right? So so they they think getting animal proteins is is out of the out of the question or out of the equation, which is great. But now they're eating all these processed, quote-unquote, vegan or vegetarian foods. And, and that's, not, that's not that lifestyle. That's not what it's all about because it's still processed. It's still refined. So mm. keep that in mind, right? Uh, to your point specifically, calcium and iron are huge, huge limiters of the vegan or vegetarian lifestyle. Now, let's pick on iron first. Well, I think we all as in- endurance athletes understand the potential of having lower iron stores in our body. Not a good thing, especially for females because uh, females with regular menstruation up to a certain point in their age obviously they're losing blood they're losing iron. I am more concerned with iron loss in females premenopausal uh, than I am with males because typically males I don't know the stats but we we usually aren't iron deficient for the most part that doesn't mean you know if, if you guys go full vegan or vegetarian that doesn't mean your iron stores won't get get a little bit lower uh, it just won't be in that danger zone area but that point, iron is a huge issue because a lot of vegetarian options, food options are are iron uh, from iron sources that are called non-heme iron. So non-heme iron is less absorbable than heme iron. Heme iron is is found in animal-based proteins. Non-heme iron is found in things like beans and nuts, right? So while you're still getting iron, you're not getting the highly absorbable iron in your body. Thus, it's not really contributing well to your iron stores. So that's that's a huge potential risk, if you will. There, there are ways to, to, to maneuver that. And to be honest with you, a lot of vegans and vegetarians supplement with iron. Um, please don't do that. Let me just throw this out. Please don't do that unless you have blood work um, and a qualified physician or sport dietitian looking at that blood work. Because... There actually are some people in this world who have this disease state called hemochromatosis, which is iron overload disease. I actually had one athlete uh, back here. She's actually from uh, from Australia. She was living in the States, and we couldn't figure out what was going on. I had her do some lab work, and we found that she had hemochromatosis. So we actually had to put her on a low iron diet. And – this is where the vegetarian lifestyle fit in perfect for her, right? Because it was, it was excellent. It reduced her iron levels. We were good to go. But that doesn't happen too often. So that's the iron story. The calcium story, see, see here's the thing. Like You can get calcium from green leafy vegetables and, and, and things like tofu and even calcium-enriched vegetarian items you just have to watch the processing right um i I think calcium is a lot less of an issue than iron um in most vegetarians or vegans if you know how to navigate the different vegan or vegetarian plant-based options but but that's that's the issue not many people like people go vegetarian they say oh i'm just not going to eat meat but they don't know how to build up this plant-based diet to actually fulfill their micronutrient needs. That's the issue.
1: I think the calcium side of it for me was around that, especially for parents with their kids. You know, making sure that they build yes. their calcium up to get that peak um, bone density up. You know, uh, so if, and that's, I guess, a real long-term concern for me is if, if kids are on vegetarian diets, that's all good. Um, we're not kids anymore, yep. up to sort of the age of thirty, and you're not building that. bone density up then you might not realize at the time but
2: your long-term implications are pretty severe oh absolutely absolutely Yeah, yeah and you know from a from a child perspective or a kid perspective whether they're active or not vegetarianism is a very tricky lifestyle i not that i i shunt that but i really tell parents if if your kids are thinking about doing this please work with a professional that knows their way around vegetarianism because they can, they can patch some of these holes in the diet that they may, may encounter once they completely take away animal-based proteins.
0: When we look at replacing some of those nutrients and minerals, like what, what are we looking for in food replacements Like for those who are going to go vegetarian? Mm-hmm.
2: Well, so that's a great point. So I always, I mean, you guys have heard me with metabolic efficiency, right? And my main focus, no matter if they're vegan, vegetarian, or or, or animal-based protein eaters, my main focus is whenever you eat, identify your protein source first. So not always, but typically that will take care of a lot of these micronutrients. So if you're going to have a snack and you're, and you're vegetarian, okay, beans or nuts or some nut butters, right? That's going to give you a lot of amino acids, a lot of protein, but a lot of micronutrients also. It's going to give you fiber. It's going to give you maybe a little bit of iron, uh, maybe a little bit of, of vitamin D depending on the food, right? But that said, vegetarianism, vegetarianism and veganism, Veganism is really about combining foods. And that's what's so crucial. Like, you can't just have a little bit of fruit and a little bit of veggies, right? Because you're missing the boat on a lot of these essential amino acids, a lot of this iron, a lot of the vitamin D. Uh, so so there are ways—I mean, usually we focus on protein first, like look for the, the plant-based protein, then build color around it. The color will be a lot of those micronutrients. So obviously I'm speaking of veggies and fruits, right? Um, so that's kind of what we want to build around. So really even in that metabolic l- efficiency lifestyle— you just swap the animal-based protein with the plant-based protein, and you still follow along with the fruits and veggies, and then the whole grains. Whole grains, not processed, refined, but actual whole grains themselves, those are very key component in a lot of vegetarians' lifestyles. Um, and, and I know we'll get to metabolic efficiency and, and what that does to blood sugar here in a little bit, but th- really the, the basic is, is eating different colors but focusing on protein first because... Just like in animal-based eaters, you, if you miss your protein, you're going to miss a lot of those amino acids that your body needs not only to recover, but also for growth and, and development.
1: What, what about fat sources? Because you, you've talked about protein mm. there, and that's going to help fill you up to a degree, um, but yep. feedback we get often from vegetarians and vegans, they're just bloody eating the whole time, um, oh, yeah. and, uh, and so some fat sources to to help people feel full a bit more often
2: it's mm-hmm. a It's a great point, so that's most plant based eaters are eating about every sixty to ninety minutes simply because they're not regulating their blood sugar enough and if if you you know I can't remember what episode that was, but you know some some basic stuff to control your blood sugar, all you need is protein, fat, and fiber right so to the fat component, this is what is missing from animal-based pro- or non-animal-based protein eating, right? You don't have that saturated fat, and you don't have the, the, the fat that is in that animal-based protein to keep you full. So now vegetarians are looking I, – I, I guarantee that their primary focus is nuts, right? But here's the deal. I've known a lot of vegetarians and vegans completely go overboard and crazy <laughs> with their nut consumption. That's so a good thing. Right? That
1: tastes good. <laughs>
2: They taste good. You know, maybe they're salted and you're, you grab a handful. And I have to tell people, because these are the athletes that come to me and they say, hey, Bob, I need to lose weight. And and I'm like, oh, so, you know, what are you eating? You know, you look a little deeper and they're like, oh, I'm having three or four handfuls of nuts a day. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. I mean, back nuts are great. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, back it up, right? Because these are so calorically dense that, yeah. you know, if you eat a handful that's sometimes that's half your day's calories for some people, right? Yeah. So I like to strategically put in the use. I mean you can you can look at things obviously like nuts and, and nut butter. I like to to look at the the strategic use of different oils, right So some avocado avocado oil, olive oil, uh, coconut oil, and just look at I, I, I like it this like I don't expect anyone just to take a spoonful of this oil, but look at how they're preparing food and, and here's the thing with vegetarians too because they should be eating more vegetables, their food preparation for vegetables should be a little bit higher. Therefore, it's a really easy way to add a little bit of these oils, whether they're sauteing or putting it on some type of salad or dish really easy to introduce oils vegetarians just don't think about that because they for some reason you know oils usually hide in the pantry they're out of sight out of mind and we don't know what to do with oil right um in, in addition like vegetarians i think smoothies are are like a knock out of the park home run completely right because you can put anything in a smoothie and even like if, if they use this plant-based protein powder right and i actually after years of trying to find like like a good one i finally got my hands on one and i love it to death and and there's no you know it's all plant based but but you know for your listeners who are turning vegetarian or vegan or if they already are don't discount smoothies because those are a powerhouse because you can go completely full on with nutrients and add two, three, four tablespoons of oil, obviously depending on the serving size of the smoothie, and actually incorporate fat into your diet to help regulate and optimize that blood sugar response.
1: You need a good blender though, be- Bevan, I think we should we we did, we did a blender challenge once where I had my kick ass blender oh, here, yeah. Bevan had his crappy one, yeah. and uh, and, I, and I won. <laughs> one didn't perform quite as well. We should we should replay that <laughs> in next week's episode, I think. Um, okay, so, so give us a bit of a rundown. We've talked about metabolic efficiency just in passing here. Give us like your elevator pitch in terms of just a quick overview of what metabolic efficiency is, and then if we can kind of lead yeah. into how that um, how that needs to be incorporated when you going vegetarian with regards to say you know you 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 talk about carb to protein ratio so just give us a bit of an overview and as I said people you need to go back and listen to previous interviews to to really go a bit deeper on this
2: yeah yeah so I'll give kind of the 30,000 foot view and and metabolic efficiency itself is really looking at the association between fat and carbohydrate stores in your body and what you're burning right so basically we store fat we store carbs Metabolic efficiency basically is answering the question how efficient are you at actually using those stores are you are you using more carbs and storing more fat or are you using more st- more fat and storing more carbs so it's really looking at the efficiency ratio of, of substrate or, or macronutrients use in your body that's the thirty thousand foot view now there are obviously different ways of training your body to either burn more carbs or burn more fat and that's that's kind of what we're leading into obviously the easiest way to do this and in referring back to my equation of balancing blood sugar which is the key to becoming more metabolically efficient by the way is looking at foods that are rich in protein rich in fiber rich in fat right so Protein can come like from animal sources as as we've talked about that is that's a no-brainer right because in 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 a lot of animal-based proteins There are zero carbohydrates, so it's so easy like to add an animal-based protein and then a side of veggies or a sweet potato or something like that And that that's kind of a balanced you know blood sugar balancing meal that will actually improve your body's ability to utilize fat and store or preserve carbohydrates now when you get in more to the plant based vegetarian vegan, it gets a little trickier. I'm not gonna say it's impossible, but but I'll tell you I, I did back in two thousand twelve, this is this is was my epiphany when I did I did a four week experiment with myself and I did uh pre and post blood work which i mentioned earlier i did some blood lipid testing but i also did a metabolic efficiency test on myself pre and post and this was you know day 1 was on a vegetarian uh lifestyle and then day 30 was basically a non-vegetarian lifestyle so what i did was i i completely changed my diet and i ate more animal proteins and which which was interesting at first i won't talk about that but i will say that most not all but most vegetarians who do not include a lot of animal proteins. And, and even if we'll, if we'll say vegans who include no animal proteins at all, it is actually very difficult for them to utilize more of their fat stores. So these are more of our quote unquote sugar burners, if you will. Mm. Um, it's not impossible to be more of a metabolically efficient athlete on a vegan li- uh, diet, but it it takes a lot of work. And so what I found with my testing was I was burning more carbohydrate than I was fat. Not a big deal. I was like, yeah, so what? You know, I'm an endurance athlete. I need the carbs. I'll burn the carbs. No big deal. I was eating every 90 minutes, like just what you were describing. Then I changed my diet a little bit. In four weeks, it was shocking. Like that's what completely opened my eyes to the efficiency impact of including animal based proteins, which I hadn't done for 10 years. So I kind of flip flopped those numbers. I become extremely fat adapted or fat efficient, metabolically efficient. And was preserving more of my carbohydrates. But, but again, and, and for your listeners, really to to hold on to my decision to not uh, follow a completely vegetarian uh, lifestyle. And, and mind you, I still have days. I still have meals uh, where it's all plant based. I mean, I just, I just, made I put it in the crock pot for my family tonight. It's 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 vegetarian chili, right? So mm. no meat, no nothing, right? So there, That's still part of my lifestyle because I actually, I actually enjoy it. But my decision was all based on health. My blood lipids were very poor with. And then it's the exact opposite that you think would happen. After four weeks of eating animal proteins, my blood lipids actually improved. And so that's why I really encourage your listeners to get some blood work done and, and look a little bit deeper into this. Because just, if, just because you think a vegan or a vegetarian lifestyle is, is great, it may not be great for you individually based on your genetics. And, and that's, that's a huge take-home message.
1: So obviously, you know, as you said, it's, it's a lot harder um, to, to be metabolically efficient with, on a vegetarian diet, but you guys have come to the rescue in terms of trying to help people um, navigate their way through. So tell us a bit about you know, the plant-based metabolic efficiency recipe book. Um, yep. What's in it, what people can expect, um, whether it's, it's mainly a recipe book or whether it's got some, some knowledge sharing in there. So fill us in on what it's all about.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there was obviously that need and that's what I saw. I mean, even cuz I've shared I've shared the story that I just told you with with countless amount of professionals and athletes and individuals and they get very engaged. They're like, oh, my gosh, I need to go get some blood work done. I need to, need to experiment, maybe have some metabolic efficiency testing done. But what I've been finding is people really enjoy – maybe it's not a complete lifestyle change, but they enjoy eating plant-based, right? And I enjoy eating plant-based. And, and, and for individuals, they were really having a tough time. They were coming to me saying, I don't know how to do this. They're throwing their hands in the air. They're like, forget it. I can't do it. You know, and, and, and basically that was the need, right? A lot of individuals were just having a rough go around. So it, it was – it was. I actually had a, a new sport dietitian join me at Energy Performance. Her name is Heidi Strickler, uh, and she's vegetarian. She's, she's plant-based, and she's fantastic, um, phenomenal runner, phenomenal endurance athlete, And, you know, I sat down with her and, and, you know, we kind of in in the courting process, I'm like, oh, so how do you eat? Right. Because we all want to know. And she told me she was plant based. I'm like, okay, here's what we're going to do. We, so she and I basically worked for months. Uh, She did all the legwork on all the recipes. I kind of went the formatting, kind of the the what we want out of it, looking at the different ratios. And we basically came up with 45 recipes, uh, breakfast, lunch, dinner, and snacks, 45 recipes that are either vegan or vegetarian. And, And again, we kind of know that difference now. The vegetarian recipes do have some vegan substitutes for those pure vegans, but we wanted to put this together in the concept of metabolic efficiency, not in the concept of just another vegetarian cookbook or recipe book, because those are super high carb, they're not blood sugar balancing, you know, it's it's not it's not promoting what we wanted. So it was a challenge, I'm not gonna lie, and, and I know Heidi was really, really challenged with this too because I gave her these parameters. I said, I want recipes that are less than one to one carbohydrate to protein ratio, and if, as you guys uh, know from our, our previous podcast, I explain all of this, so, so if you can refer to those for your listeners. But this carbohydrate-to-protein ratio is very important. We know that a one-to-one ratio of carb-to-protein actually is the optimal way to stabilize your blood sugar in, in, in really, really – gain the benefits of health and performance so when i talk about a less than one to one i'm talking about a lot less carbs and a lot more protein and, and fat so those were the tough ones to get especially on a vegetarian uh you know dietary program so we've included recipes that are less than one to one a one to one ratio of carb to protein one and a half to one and all the way up to two to one we believe that anywhere above about three or four to one is kind of getting into the, it's not bad, but it's just not controlling your blood sugar well. So it's not really optimizing what we're trying to do here. So I I think we've taken a lot of the guesswork out of how do I eat plant-based, but still be metabolically efficient, still be able to utilize my fat stores, either for performance, for health, for body weight, body aesthetics, body composition. So I think we've really opened up uh, kind of the the options for these plant-based individuals so they don't have to kind of worry about it or navigate it on their own.
1: Nice, because I I do, when we're looking at vegetarian meals, often we go... (laughs) that's a vegetarian dish it's not really <laughs> a meal exactly uh, and exactly. We're like, well what else are we going to have with that so uh i look forward to trying a few of those out any, anything else you wow. want to get out there bob obviously give yourself a plug in terms of where people can find all this information but any other points oh, you yeah. want to make around this
2: yeah, you know, so energy performance, e n r g performance dot com. You can find all of our resources from metabolic efficiency to our new recipe book. Uh, you, you know, you can learn about our sport dietitians, learn about me a little bit. Uh, what's coming is is actually because we've we've been listening and we just we wanted to start with this plant based recipe book. What's coming is a full on plant based metabolic efficiency book. So to to your point also, in the in the in our recipe book that we created, in the beginning, there's a lot of introduction, a lot of education on how to how to substitute, how to make vegan cheese, how to do this, right? So there's a lot of intro. But but we've decided, Heidi and I have decided we're gonna come together again and we're actually gonna, similar to my metabolic efficiency book, which is not plant-based, it's just more everything based, we're gonna completely focus on that plant-based individual and we're going to write a complete book uh call it i mean kind of reinventing this metabolic efficiency in a book form and we're going to take people from chapter to chapter and explain not only the benefits of plant-based eating and maybe a few of the detriments but we'll give solutions to those detriments like we've talked about here iron calcium b12 and, and different protein sources but we're going to walk them through it so they're not alone right because it's it's a tough when you're going vegan or vegetarian, it's not about, like I said earlier, it's not about just dropping meat, right? You've gotta figure out how to complement what you're gonna drop. So that's going to be coming out i'd, I'd give it probably mid 20 2019 uh heidi's actually in the uk right now doing a pretty intensive uh a one-year master's program in sport nutrition so we've got to we've got to wait until she's she's through a little bit of her thesis before she can spend some time on this but super super pumped for that um if i can give another little shameless plug here sure. i've actually just I've, I've also um incorporated in a new venture to my uh to my uh, growing portfolio and i've I, together with another colleague of mine, a sport dietitian who's also a chef, we've actually created a company called Barota Foods, B I R O T A Foods. And I'll, I'll give you guys some info offline. Mm. But we actually, my, my whole thing was, uh, you know, I live in Colorado. It's cold right now, it's snowy. Um, years ago, I was on my bike, I was outside really quickly. I was on a road bike ride, and I was just freezing my butt off, right? It was in the dead of winter. And usually, it's okay to hear. But it just happened to be like one of those 30-degree days, and you're just freezing. And all I can think about was how do I get warm. So I'm riding home. I'm trying to push the watts. I'm trying to get my core temperature up. And the only thing I could think about was hot cocoa, right? And, and I don't know about you guys, but I grew up in the mountains here in Colorado. I grew up with cocoa. But the <laughs> cocoa was sugar and marshmallows and milk and, like, all this stuff that was just like it tastes good but it's not so good for the body sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. So basically, Baroda Foods, we've created what we call a smart cocoa and a smart coconut creamer that is completely mm-hmm. reinventing the cocoa and creamer market because it the ingredients not only are function to control blood sugar, to actually improve ketone levels in the body, thus enhancing the body's ability to burn fat, but it also tastes awesome. There's no added sugars, right? It's all, it's, it's, it's just, it comes together to actually support what we're talking about here. And it's vegan, it's vegetarian, it supports keto, it supports paleo, it supports low carb, high fat. So that's kind of been my next venture that I've been really putting time in. We just we just hit the market about a month ago. So uh, it's, uh, it's going gangbuster right now.
1: Fantastic, I oh, always love your work Bob, you keep it real and um, and I follow a lot of your principles myself and it's just something that seems to be a lot more sustainable long term, so as always, thanks so much That's for your cool. time
2: Oh, it's my pleasure, it's always great talking with you guys. Awesome, Matt, thank you for your time
1: He's great
0: isn't he, old Bob, he's, he knows his stuff and he's you know, really got a clear message he's great.
1: He is, yeah you know, and, 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 and as I said just before, you know uh, nutritional choices are, are largely about being sustainable with them over a long period of time so it's all good and well having this wonderful master plan but if you can't stick to it it's a bit of a struggle uh, to, to either keep your weight off or keep, keep your performance up um, but yeah certainly and, and, and that's with metabolic efficiency um, seems to work really nicely and it just keeps you thinking.
0: Okay, so just two things. I'll put the links to his websites for both the drink and for the new book that's come out on our show notes. I'm talk dot me. Okay, John quish. Oh, John Winger of the week. Winger of the week. Okay,
1: uh, righty ho, righty ho. Oh, righty ho, Melissa. Okay. Go you females! I'm loving this. Every week we seem to be having females on top of the leaderboard at the moment, which is great. Melissa Uri it. took it out this week with 21 hours, <laughs> uh, 21 minutes, and 14 minutes. Good word. I, I got 60. Oh no, I'm 64th so far this week with my one hour 47. Where did I get last week? I got 59th last uh, week. Bevan, nice. Out of a hundred, or 59th nice. out of a hundred. Um, second, Martin Hill, and third, Jonathan Blake. Okay, this time questions yeah. and so answers. answers from Thorsten. Next, he's got how to rank, how to no, no, no. So I'll explain this okay. because I sent Thorsten an email saying, um, you know, in terms of we're changing from the ranking system this year to next for the pros qualifying for Kona. So we had the KPR previously, but this year it's changing. You know, you basically yep. got to win an Ironman race. But what I was interested in um, was historically, do the bottom ranked athletes on the KPR normally do okay in Kona or not and the reason I was thinking about this was Angela Neath who which she finished I think she maybe finished seventh or eighth or ninth or somewhere about that in Kona yep. uh, she was she, the last person to qualify in the females which she got rolled in after a so couple she was 35th uh, yes, or you know whatever About, the last yep, yep. position was, and there was also a couple of other examples of athletes that were quite a way down that did quite well, and I was wondering if that's normally the case or not. <laughs> what do you say? So Torsten said, um, "If you <clears throat> excuse me." There were lots of pros that did just enough to qualify and didn't try to maximise their KPR rankings, but instead focus on Kona. Examples of this, of this this year were Tim O'Donnell, who just got safe in July but finished in fourth place, and Haug, who she just made it in um, in July. She got one of the roll down slots and finished third. Though, um, if you were referring to August qualifiers, so they're the ones that had like the last ten slots for the males and the last five slots for the um, females, the story is. A little different but uh, even then there are always a few athletes doing really well in kona um this year we had matt russell again he got uh, an invitation slot not even because he's yeah. missing out by one he had a blinder race too. he finished in sixth philip courtney finished 15th angeline nath who uh, the example i gave before finished in eighth kareen abraham ninth and liz blatch for 12th so i guess that was my point was those ones that actually got those last slots okay did actually quite yeah. well. Um, well above where they got the spot. Yeah, to yeah. me, this clearly shows that KPR was never really useful as a ranking system and part of the reason why Ironman abandoned it. The new system will be more telling in that regard as everyone will have to plan for a 2A races season, one to qualify and then one in Kona. Uh, it's, I think it's going to be fascinating to see how this pans out. It's you know, Yeah, yeah. You could have a really, really good race, finish second or third, uh, and you don't get a Kona slot, and you've got to go have another really, really good race somewhere else, and then you've got to go and race Kona. Whereas in the past, you know, you get a two or three seconds or a third, you'll be fine. It's
0: going to be interesting. Will the field be better next year, or will it be worse?
1: I, yeah, I think at the, top, the be very pretty top pretty the end, same. I don't think it'll change that much. It's that middle part of the race where I think it'll change where athletes that did four or five Ironmans and accrued their points with lots yeah. of thirds, fourths, fifths, they're the ones that are going to struggle. I think what may happen, and this may be part of the motivation. So you'd argue it's going to be better
0: field because the, the people who win races are tend to be better athletes.
1: Yeah, I don't think it'll affect the top end. I think no, no, affect, of course not. The top, yeah. the top fifteen are going to be. Um, but I think what we might see is at those more far flung races that only had a few pros at them. You might see some of the better pros potentially going to them to you know to just have a little bit more certainty. But Oh, geez, wouldn't want to be a pro. It's just like, who's going to race there? Who's going to race there? Who's going to race there? You know, if someone like Jan Frodeno is going to race, I've got no, I've got a sh- no show. Um, yeah, Jan turns up to race everyone's like oh I'm yeah. doing next weekend's race and so that makes it difficult because otherwise you, you know, previously you might go Jan is going to be at the European Championships and so is uh, points, Sebastian yeah. Keenlake lots of points uh, I might still finish 5th but that's going to be really good now you go oh, bugger that there's no point I'll go elsewhere yeah.
0: uh, Tim Hemming sent through an interesting discussion you were just talking about uh, Gert uh, the guy who was a para-athlete on the show who did the fastest third split What do you call it? You call it the cycle leg, the run leg? Hand cycle. No, uh. Hand cycle? I think you just call it the The wheelchair leg, wouldn't it be? Because it was more the wheelchair. I just call it the marathon. Okay, well, that's good. Good good answer. Uh, Being faster than Patrick Lang, he's got, think it's uh, worth probably having a bit of background on him, giving his para-triathlon achievements. Um, Schupper Schupper <laughs> how do you say his name <laughs> I would go with that Schipper. Schupper but you got to deal with your Belgium accent is, is it, uh, Schupper uh, um, Dutch is a Dutch para-athlete who won silver at the Rio Olympics in the PT1 wheelchair division he's also one of two Dutchmen who tears down the house when it comes to para-triathlon when they race Schupper becomes second to his teammate Jets Platz, uh, tends to win they're also absolutely dominant as for Platz it's hard to understand how good Platts is. I interviewed British para-triathlete Joe Townsend, who is arguably the third best in the world now for this piece. Uh, he's And he's got a piece that he actually wrote about this, so I'll put a link to it in the show notes. But bear in mind that Townsend is a former Marine who had his legs blown off in Afghanistan, so not uh, shrinking violet. His comments about being in the podium with Platt was, the man is an absolute beast. It's great sitting on the podium with him and looking at like it's take your child to work day, mm-hmm. <laughs> best tri- power tri- uh, para triathlete in the world, easily, the question should be whether he is simply the best athlete in para sport, well, that's a pretty big statement, and then again, we have, I kind of went back and said some comments, and he just said, one thing about para tri- uh, athletes is that they're amazing, but it's, it's also time that we move past the point of seeing them as some kind of freak show, um, I'm not saying that you do, meaning me, and um, and view them simply as athlete, which is also calling them out when their performances are a bit shit. It's a bugbear of mine. I've written quite a bit about para try in the past few years. And the comments are always, um, aren't these guys inspirational? As a general broad sweep statement, but regularly look uh, fail to look at the individuals, their characters, their strengths, their weaknesses, etc. So, yeah. It's, so, it's yeah. an interesting discussion, isn't
1: it? It is. It's just
0: it's their power. just if they have a shit
1: athlete, if they have a shit race. We should go. That's that's a shitty performance. Yeah, well done on finishing. Shitty performance. <laughs> you say it across the line. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> well done. Tell you what,
0: John and I went to that Peter Jackson film. Did you hear about that? Oh, yep, the one where they've recreated a is lot it, of the World War One footage. They shall not be forgotten, or something like mm-hmm. that. Um, man, who'd want to go to war? Yeah. Oh, respect to those. You know, those those people out there fighting for whichever. Country you're fighting for, man, it was pretty impressive stuff. Um, so your one final point is: given they go to swim, that hand bike on a racing wheelchair, and everything is done with the arms, so no respite at all. it is pretty crazy when you think about an Iron Man.
1: Well, it's also the nutritional side of it for for a lot of para athletes. That's that's the real big struggle as well. <clears throat> and then that there, there's addition, it's significantly harder. So we're not giving them a hard time at all. Oh no, no, but, well, it's total respect. <laughs> but um yeah it's it's frustrating for me and other people as well Is if you have a shitty race you know and people go, Oh, awesome job, well, done, that's fantastic, you know well no I had a shit race, yeah, let's call it a shit race, yeah, just just that on the way, John, we' got a new patron,
0: we have indeed. So, Michael Reiger, I'm gonna say I've been listening to the show since its inception. Wow, that's pretty impressive. Ooh-wee. I wonder how he found out about us back in those days. And given me countless hours of entertainment, training tools, and a good sense of community, I completed my first and only full try Ironman uh, to date in 2012. And I always say with confidence that it would have not been possible without the help of. John and Bevan, I currently live in Toronto, Canada, but moving to Sydney, Australia, in January for a year to complete my training as an orthopedic surgeon. Oh, smart man as well, like this. Again, um, I cannot thank you guys enough for all the work and hours of entertainment that you have provided. So, thank you, Michael,
1: for that. So, no, you're going to love Sydney, going over there from Toronto. Bloody the weather's oh, going to be a little <laughs> that bit more favourable.
0: Contrast the surgeon. Okay, well, what's something around a surgeon?
1: well he's also got a ride digger. So, something about digger surgeon.
0: Yeah. Uh, okay, took a surgeon. <laughs> um, um, you put me on the spot. Here, the digger. gold
1: digger? Because he's going to Australia. He's my money. The miner. <laughs> the miner. There we go. The miner. Yep.
0: Yep. Yep.
1: If if, if the surgery doesn't work out, there's, you can get paid quite well in the, in the old mining industry in Australia. You are well, struggling a bit at the moment. Yeah, mining. they've been
0: struggling for the last period, but that's all good. So, if you want to become a patron of the show, go to dub dub dub. I am Me and like Michael, the the miner. Because he yeah. also mines into bodies. He does. Yeah. Surgeons, big respect mate People were surgeons like, Just A, the intelligence You don't have a shit day when you're a surgeon Do you? No But apparently do
1: Oh yeah Yeah
0: you know, I wonder if they do a mistake Oh do you tell them? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, um, so uh, you're a legend mate Ironman Surgeon Go
1: to Australia Go join Australians Oh you're a legend Just bring it Hey Michael when you go over there Just bring up the cricket yeah, you know, fairly regularly. Yeah, they are and, sucking uh, at cricket and the rugby.
0: Their cricket's gone downhill, and their rugby is atrocious. They lost to Wales. Oh, god! Oh, and, they, and and they had been in Wales like thirteen times in a row. Yeah, and Australian rugby is, is a, a textbook example of how to kill your sport. <laughs> it really is, isn't it? Because like you go back fifteen years ago. Australian rugby would be dominant. But they still,
1: they, they still do well at AFL. It's a bit like you Americans but, but this, with, with this, your, with this, your yeah. Major League Baseball World Series. AFL is, is an Australian-only sport, so yeah. they're always going to do well at that. Yeah, that is true. But, but Australia, pro- sharpen up
0: in your sport. We know you're going to hear, but just sharpen up. Yeah. We need some
1: competition. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's you, palms and bloody rugby. Sort your game. Did out. you watch the game? Yes, I did. Oh wait, we'll talk They're about that second. Okay. We'll talk about that in
0: a second. So, um, if you want to be a patron, go to dubdubdub. I am You'll see there. Become a patron. Click on the link and you'll go through the process. You get a nickname. You go in the draw. And there's gifting depending on the level of patronage you're at. John sponsors. Extreme endurance. Galactic buffer and. and our patrons. And you guys absolutely rock. Uh, if you want to email show, just email uh, iamtalkpodcast at gmail.com. If you want to become a patron, we'll be talking about that. If you want to get coaching, go check out John, coachjohnnewson.com or epicamps.
1: Ippert um
0: My podcast is bevanjamesos.com. And if you want to send us an email of content, uh, age group of the week, call websites, any other feedback, just fire that through to us. John, your goss.
1: My gosh, Bevan. So uh, did you watch rugby? Did you get up early and watch the rugby? No, or? I did not. And I managed to hold off not knowing the result until about, l- we got home about 11.30 and watched the game then. Jesus, that's well Because so, we had kids to try No training. sports radio? No sports radio. I said, Tom, take pod the iPod. Did you,
0: did you say to people, look, I haven't, I haven't seen the game, I don't
1: want to hear about it? I did. We got, got out there, I said to the little parents, nobody talk about the rugby. Another parent said, yep, I've only watched half time." everybody be quiet. And we managed to, uh, to get through. It was a hard game watch, wasn't it? You got no chance. We were all over you like a rash. No, it's not totally true. No chance. You were that first thirty minutes, they were
0: amazing. Yeah, but we just weathered the storm. You've got to say, the are, I think the All Blacks are the most successful, outside of the American basketball team, the most successful sporting team in the modern era of professional sport. It's a bit of a minority sport
1: in most other places in the world. Oh, other than no, this, it's, it's not minority-minority. Well, minority. Not minority-minority, but it's…
0: But they've won 90% of their games. Mm. That's pretty
1: phenomenal. Really very solid.
0: And the thing about them, like the, the Poms were amazing. The first 30 minutes, if they'd scored another point after that 15 points… I was think it's game over.
1: Yeah, we, we always. We had it in it's control. John had hit the faith.
0: But just, the just know how to come back and win a game, man. It's pretty impressive. Mm. Um, okay, what
1: else do you got? What else we got? Um, uh, tomorrow morning I've got a 20-minute TT on the bike, so that's going to be fun. I'm gonna actually, we'll actually do something in next week's show about preparing for 20-minute TT, so that's all good. Outside of that, Bevan, uh, but, uh, this week's a bit of a funny old week. Teachers are on strike tomorrow, so yeah. kids are at home. And then uh, we are going... To go for a bit of a hiking action this weekend. We're going to hike this time. We're, gonna, we're going up to Arthur's Pass, so that's the middle oh, nice. of the South Island, our mountain range that goes through the middle. Night away, go for a couple of couple of walks, and uh, it's going to be good times. Nice. It's a short week. It short, is week. short week. week day off with kids that go, day off tomorrow. We have our <coughs> sort of regional day off on Friday, so another public holiday there, and then away for the weekend, and then I'm one week out from the Pack and Save Triathlon Festival, so it's all go. It's all good. Actually, I was at the gym the other day. Belinda came in class. She killed herself. She did. She came home and she said, Bevan's class is a lot harder than everybody else's. It's <laughs> it a good way or a bad way. She goes, yeah, I just feel a bit sick when I come home. So <laughs> you're doing a good hear. job. <laughs> That's what I want to hear. Um, but she did say John's a bit
0: tired. He's mm-hmm. not getting much sleep. Yeah, Life's well, a bit full of He's not busy, she said. not busy. busy. He's <laughs> just, just got no time.
1: Yeah. It's <laughs> well, only my own fault. <laughs> it's
0: only your own fault for overloading yourself. Mm. Um, <laughs> uh. Funny. Uh, any else? That's it. Huh? That's it. What's happening in your world, Bevan? John, so I'm very sore. Yeah, I'm very sore. Actually, okay. today's a little bit better because I did yoga before you turned up.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I was in Auckland and went to Auckland for a. I'll make sure. You, you know what? I probably do it for next week's show because it's tomorrow. But the show after that, I'll, I'm going to do a, a coaching segment. Fine. Because we did a self-development three-day thing for Les Mills. And he's, look, he's instantly going to the notes. He's <laughs> the notes. Bevan
1: is doing that. So then it's less we did, today. I did a three-day
0: training weekend. So basically for Les Mills, they got all the top people from New Zealand. There's about 30 of us. And they got us together and they had three days of development. And um, it was really great, actually. There's some really good stuff in there and stuff that's transferable to other areas. So I thought, well, I'll have a bit of a yarn to you guys about that stuff. But one of the things we did was a fitness challenge. Oh yeah, and it was a thousand reps of exercises so it was it wasn't really a cardio challenge mm-hmm. and admittedly i'm a bit of a cardio king especially in les mills so um it didn't necessarily suit my type of fitness but at the same time i got through it fine so it was mm-hmm. basically a hundred reps of 10 different strength exercises so it was kind of like a clean and press a deadlift um, press oh. ups, squats you know yeah um but you it was basically you did it in pairs so Let's say with the squats, I did 50 reps, you did 50 reps, I did 50, so I got to rest when you were doing yours, Yeah. Um, and it was a good hard, hard workout, um, but I got through it, like I wasn't like suffer-fest, I was, I was working hard, but it was like, you know, I knew I was going to be fine, but oh my God, <laughs> I yeah. have been in pain, yeah. oh my God, John, I was just... You, like, you didn't be taking your extreme endurance, it's Well, I needed some lactic buffer, I tell you, because... RPM, I taught you, so when I was in that class, and you can get away from it because cycling is not so hard. But last night I taught body attack, which is your high impact, big jump, plyometric kind of workout. I was doing options galore, man. <laughs> I was, and I got home and Joe had to massage me for like an hour. Every part of my body's hurt. One thing I did, John, was we went to uh, the Coro Club because I'm now I've gold member. <laughs> You've got a gold member. Gold member. <laughs> Tell you what, there are some perks, God member, because I, I checked in, you get the priority luggage, um, checked in, they said, oh, do you want the fire exit row, yeah. so you don't have to pay for it, yeah. you know, and you, and you, go, you can, take, I can now take a mate into the crow oh Lounge, God. so we, we had a crew in the Crow Lounge, and I said to my mate, Scotty, I said, mate, because I had $100 in my walk wallet, I said to him, mate, I'll give you $100 if you just go up to somebody and grab their drink, drink their drink, and just walk away. Right Now, would you do that, John? no.
1: But it doesn't cost him anything Yeah <laughs> if, like The Coral Lounge Is the time to do it Isn't it It's one way of getting evicted From the Coral Lounge Getting you a gold membership Revoked Gold member Well no because I, I, I wasn't doing it. was doing I don't know this guy <laughs> yeah, that's,
0: that's random <laughs> um, But he didn't do it So then I said to him 10 burpee tuck jumps In the middle of the Coral Lounge Would you do that 100 bucks Quite possibly uh, he, 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 he said I would and then he just came up with excuses so he didn't yeah. do it. What would you do? Like I love the idea of the deer, you know, yeah. the deer.
1: Yeah, it be might, might require a little more than 100, but, uh, a hundred. But uh I'd be willing to do that. Probably take you about thirty seconds a yeah. hundred bucks. It's yeah. a good hourly rate. Yeah. Yeah. Could retire on an hourly rate. Yeah. Run around naked. Probably need a little bit more than that. <laughs>
0: No, I wouldn't Take a lot of money For me to run around naked mm. um, I've never been the nude guy um, And then Off of to the Queenstown oh, So I'm going to be in Queenstown for the marathon If you see me out and about Come and say hello It's always nice to meet Some listeners out there um, Taking a big bunch of runners That got a function I went partying last weekend John, went out on crazy. the dance floor mm-hmm. well, I was out in the, I was a dance, dance party, John mm-hmm. What was it? Some restaurant no, I didn't say that It was a restaurant You just start dancing <laughs> That's right No, but it was a restaurant That turned into a bar later on so the DJ was a bit average, John, but the DJ played the bird dance.
1: Exactly, and
0: I was thinking, we're not playing five-year-old school disco. It's pretty poor. That was poor. That yeah. he lost all credibility with me mm. in that moment. So there you go, John. Uh, next, week's show, next week's show. Next week show. We've
1: got <laughs> uh, John Hellman's going to be on next week. Yeah. Uh, so he's got a new book out. We're going to talk to him about that, um, and it's probably going to be a pretty short show because we're recording it tomorrow morning. All right, let's wrap it up. I'm Russ. I'm Endo. Train hard. Train smart. Kia Kia car.